coming to this episode of the OLTV podcast. The series is The Journey to Pascha, Gospel Reflections from Zacchaeus to Pentecost by Metropolitan Callistos of Diaclea. This is reflection number nine, Sunday of the Holy Cross. On this, the third Sunday of the Great Fast, we commemorate particularly the cross. Let us reflect on the two different ways of depicting Christ on the cross. There is first the kind of crucifix with which we are largely familiar, which shows the dead Christ. He has on his head the crown of thorns, his head is bowed, his eyes are closed, his body is stripped. There we see Christ at the moment when he gives up his spirit to the Father. We see his deep humiliation his profound suffering. But there is another type of crucifix with which we are less familiar, and that shows the living and victorious Christ. In this second type of crucifix, he is wearing not a crown of thorns, but a royal crown of kingship. His head is upright, His eyes are open. His body is not stripped, but clothed in a robe of kingship. Now, perhaps some of you are expecting me to say the crucifix of the dead Christ is characteristic of the West, and uh, the crucifix of the living and victorious Christ is characteristic of the East. No, I'm not going to say that because in reality, the story is much more complicated. The second type of crucifix, the living and victorious Christ, this was the normal way of showing the crucifixion in both East and West up until the 11th century. And the more realistic crucifix showing the dead Christ was first introduced in the, not in the West, but in Byzantium. It's interesting what Cardinal Humbert said when he visited Constantinople in 1054, the year when there was the unhappy exchange of anathemas, which is normally understood to constitute the final breach between Orthodoxy and Rome. Actually, it wasn't the final breach. The story, again, was much more complicated. However, one comment Cardinal Humbert made to the Greeks was, how do you come to fasten to Christ's cross the picture of a dying man? He was only familiar with the crucifix of the victorious Christ, and the more realistic crucifix that was coming into 
common use in Byzantium took him by surprise, though before long it was also adopted in the West. Now, for a balanced approach to the passion of Christ, to the cross, we need to have before our mental vision both types of crucifix. We need to see both Christ the victim and Christ the victor. Christ the victim. The crucifix showing the dying Christ shows us how our Lord Jesus in his passion identifies himself totally with our broken and despairing condition. Through the incarnation, the Savior enters into all the fullness of human life, and not only that, but into all the fullness of human death. We are, we are never to forget the far-reaching implications of the incarnation. All that we experience, Christ also experienced with undiminished intensity. Yes, even with greater sharpness and anguish than we ever know. He enters unreservedly into all the distress, whether physical or mental, of a world that has rebelled against God. As it says, in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. All our griefs, all our sorrows. What we see in Jesus is an entire solidarity with suffering humankind. As Isaiah says again, chapter 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And what is the purpose and effect of this identification? Again, in the same section of Isaiah chapter 53, we are told, by his wounds we are healed. We can say, if you like, salvation comes about by sharing. Christ shares in all our suffering and pain. And this he does supremely on the cross. St. Gregory of Nazianzus says, the unassumed is unhealed. What Christ has not assumed and taken into himself, he has not healed. But, we continue, Christ has assumed everything on the cross. And so, by assuming and making his own, all pain and suffering, physical and mental, he has brought an all-embracing healing. When we look on the cross, we should think also of the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Looking at the cross, 
we are vividly reminded of the physical suffering of Christ, but let us not forget what was far more serious, the inner mental suffering of Christ. Let us recall what Christ said in the Garden of Gethsemane. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Now in the life of Christ there is no pretense, no play-acting. If he said that, that was really what he felt. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he had already faced spiritual death. And we are told, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly in his sweat, was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He prays with all his heart, may this cup be taken from me. No pretense, no play acting. Alone in the garden with the three disciples fast asleep, Christ experiences utter isolation, extreme loneliness, a sense of failure, a sense of rejection. As is said in the prologue of St. John's Gospel, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. The pain of love rejected is one of the most bitter pains that any of us can experience. It's true that at Gethsemane, Christ ends up by accepting what he has to undergo. Not as I will, he says to the Father, but as you will. May your will be done. But that acceptance was costly, far beyond our imagination. Now the isolation that Christ felt in Gethsemane continues on the cross itself. Let us give full value to his words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He who is himself God experiences the loss of God. St. Ephraim the Syrian uses the memorable phrase, the mighty one who put on insecurity. Now that is what we see in the one crucifix. And what then of the other? If Isaiah chapter 53, surely he has borne our sufferings. If that sums up the meaning of the first one type of crucifix, the dead Christ, then the meaning of the second type, the living and victorious Christ, is summed up in Christ's last words on the cross. It is finished. Now that is not a cry of despair, of resignation. Christ is not saying, it's all over, this is the end. But it is a cry of victory. The Greek means it is accomplished, it is fulfilled, it is completed. And what is completed? What kind of victory do we see upon the cross? The victory of suffering love. Not a victory of superior force of military might, 
but a victory of voluntary weakness, freely chosen vulnerability, a kenotic victory, victory of self-emptying. At the agony in the garden, at the crucifixion, the forces of darkness assailed Jesus with all their violence, but they could not change his compassion into hatred. They could not prevent his love from continuing to be itself. His love was tested to the furthest point, but not overwhelmed. That is what we see on the cross, the victory of suffering love. As is said in the prologue to John's Gospel, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And we can apply to the crucifixion the words in the Song of Songs. Love is strong as death. Many waters cannot quench love. On the cross, Christ entered into all the suffering, all the pain, all the alienation, all the despair of a fallen world. He entered the darkness and he transformed the darkness into light, into blazing glory. In the words of the poet Edith Sitwell, love is not changed by death. Nothing is lost. All in the end is harvest. Such is the meaning of the second crucifix, the crucifix of Christus Victor, Christ the Victor. But when reflecting on the cross as an emblem of victory, let us never forget all that we have said about the first crucifix, about the man of sorrows, about the cry, why have you forsaken me? It is a victory, but an immensely costly victory. Now, before I close, I'd like to call to mind two sayings. The first is from a Russian spiritual master of the 19th century, Saint Theophan the Recluse. He writes, behind the veil of Christ's flesh, Christians behold the triune God. And then my second saying is from a Lutheran, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who suffered death, martyrdom under Hitler. And in imprisonment, knowing what awaited him, he affirmed only the suffering God can help. So, yes, we think of what Theophan says, behind the veil of Christ's flesh, Christians behold the triune God. What the liturgical texts of the Christian East continually emphasize is not merely the human sufferings of Jesus, but the fact that he who so suffers is God incarnate, true God from true God.
not only a suffering man, but suffering God. As St. Paul says, summing it up in one short phrase, they crucified the Lord of glory. This is brought out in what is said on Holy Friday. Let me quote the words. Today, he who hung the earth upon the waters is hung upon the cross. Today, he who is king of the angels is arrayed in a crown of thorns. He who wraps the heaven in clouds is wrapped in the purple of mockery. He who in Jordan set Adam free receives blows upon his face. The bridegroom of the church is transfixed with nails. The son of the virgin is pierced with a spear. We venerate thy passion, O Christ. Show us also thy glorious resurrection. So there we have emphasized on the one side the full reality of Christ's suffering and on the other side the victory. The cross should always be joined with the resurrection, never the one without the other. So we are to see both crucifixes at once. The crucified man of sorrows is the Lord of glory. The suffering and humiliated Christ is the triumphant and victorious Christ. The moment of defeat is the moment of victory. Never separate the crucifixion from the resurrection. Never separate the cross from the empty tomb. As we say in our Eastern Christian worship on Great Friday, we bow before your cross, O Master, and we praise and glorify your holy resurrection. And again we say on Good Friday, you are the living God, yet you are dead on the cross, a naked corpse, but the word of the living God. So then, on this third Sunday of Lent, looking forward to what is to happen in Holy Week, let us impress vividly on our mental imagination these two crucifixes. They do not cancel each other out, but the two of them contain the mystery of God crucified and risen of Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for coming to this episode of the OLTV podcast. New lectures are on Thursdays. Jack's Corner is on Monday and episodes for subscribers on Fridays. Thank you.